Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I review the Topo Chico Margarita Hard Seltzer Pack, Creature Feature Hags, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're back. We're back. Live in studio. Oh, Griffin, how you doing? Just cold snacking away. Yeah. Cold snacking away. We were talking a little bit in the pre-show about these beers that we're drinking. Uh, We're going to run through this quick because we've been talking about them for about 10 minutes now. uh, (laughs) The listeners who are here live don't want to hear about it anymore. Montucky cold snack lager. Boy, I don't know that we usually talk about the regional macros a lot on this show. Ever? Only if we get ones that we've never had, which but, this is one we've never had. Christ, what a what a refined, excellent version of that product. Fulfilling the promise of the premise. Like, amazing cheap beer. This rocks. No, I can't. I don't remember what I paid for them, but I'm going to guess because they're like imported to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, guess. I probably didn't pay. Uh, they probably weren't a cheap beer. Well, I mean, they're great, though. Yeah. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Spent last night sipping some tequila. I've uh, been kind of just hanging around because, you know, you've been sick and Haley's been yes. sick and I haven't been sick. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the elephant in the room. Um, I had COVID, got it from Cleveland, of course. From the river, yeah. Yes, from the river. Shouldn't have gone in there. No. I told you not to. No, I, it was a good two year run. I did a really good job of avoiding it. And then, well, then you go to two large concerts in less than two weeks and you, you kind of have that. Coming. Well, I went to two and didn't get COVID, but I think that's because I didn't have a near altercation with the guy that was standing in front of me. Well, at I, the, I at the concert. We, I, we don't need to relitigate this. Do you think he gave you COVID? No, I know exactly who gave me COVID. <laughs> who? Well, it was one of two people. It was either the girl that I befriended because of him. Oh, the girl you had to like sit halfway in her seat. So yes. See? Yeah. Nobody knows what we're talking about. We went to go to this concert a couple weeks ago. Dream lineup, Beartooth, Ghost Inside, A Day to Remember. I mean, honestly, A Day to Remember played the best set that I've seen since high school of theirs. Um, really brought me back around to them. Like just a fucking incredible show during the ghost insides performance there was a man in front of me that i disagreed with on a couple things we exchanged some words he fat shamed his own girlfriend it was a whole thing right in front of us right in front of us she could have been more than 130 Crazy. pounds either no she was yeah soaking wet I picked she was her up one hand. tiny it's a whole ordeal we'll talk about it later at some point but then i had to shift down and i bumped into this girl and the two of us we're just like singing every song together. We were having the time of our lives. It was a great time. So I notably listeners, he couldn't move into my space because I was dripping with sweat. Yeah, I was just sweaty as fuck. If he, if he had come near me, it would have been another rash of sweat. I had just recovered after the first set. I was like, all right. I'm starting to dry off. If he had come near me, folks, it would have been a massacre. Between moving to my right and being in that situation or imposing on a stranger's personal space. I you chose imposing the, on a stranger's personal space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that really says a thing or two about your situation. <laughs> or it was the guy behind me, because I remember this one moment that made me laugh so fucking hard during that concert. A date remembers playing this song called Bad Friend, or it's like Last Chance to Dance or something, I can't remember. But in the opening riff to that song, it's like it comes in really hard. You know, like one of their traditional, like hardcore date remember songs. And they have they when they get to the end of the first bar, they have this like big tone. I don't know what instrument it on, but it's, it's this big bong, like as part of the riff. And when that song kicks in, they start playing and I'm like, yeah, I fucking love it. And so they play that riff. And then the guy behind us, I just hear as soon as like the big bong goes, he goes, 
<laughs> Sing along, baby. Full open mouth. Just like <laughs> emptied his entire oh, so lungs. Like, he's like, that, like, that well, did it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was either that girl or that guy behind me. So that's where I got COVID from. Yeah, I was pretty lucky in that I was able to maintain six feet of distance because mm-hmm. not actually about six inches of distance from the nearest person, but that was enough. Yeah. Enough. You could feel the heat radiate off of me from three feet. So Absolutely. you didn't want to be near me. Yeah. The guy in front of me, because, I mean, we're crammed in bleachers. The guy in front of me was like, I was purposely like I had my legs spread as far as possible. So I wasn't touching him. But he was like, he turns to me and this dude wouldn't move for Steve. Because like everyone's sitting in the in the bleachers except the guy in front of Steve. And he refused to sit down. And Because um, his, his girlfriend was too large. Yeah, so he said. So they couldn't <laughs> sit. <laughs> but the guy turns to me, he's talking about it. And he's like, by the way, man, my back is sweating from... You're not touching me, but just from your leg. Your legs are putting off like... 150 to like a, it's like a blast furnace and i was like i'm trying not to touch you man i can't like i can't do anything don't be an asshole like this this guy won't sit down like if i stand up i'm gonna do the same thing so just be happy i'm like not touching you with my knees right now i don't think i caught that part of the story <laughs> You're just radiating heat and making him sweat. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it. He had like the back sweat on his lower back. I was like, sorry, dude. Oh, God. It's pretty right. bad. So that being said, we did have a whole lot of fun going to Cleveland to go see those bands. But I did get COVID. And so... Thankfully, my symptoms were incredibly mild. I got in contact with everybody that I saw in the times that I would be a spreader of COVID, and I don't think anybody else got it. So very thankful and how that all shook out. My sense of taste is back and we're here for Zone of Truth. So Griffin, besides all the shenanigans that we got into in Cleveland, and that was just like we just scratched the scratch the itch there like there is so much yeah, more that happened that yeah. trip that was wild and the, um, and the concert with the Beartooth concert with hell yeah. uh, Nathaniel and um, he's a dude in a band called Fear Culture I think we're going to see in September which we, we're seeing in a couple we, weeks because we saw him at the cool. uh, Beartooth concert Detective Bro Bro on the disc that was Bro his Bro. name Shots. dude dude, uh, dude recognized us at the Beartooth show yeah, that, that was, was fucking wild. awesome but yeah besides all that yeah what's you been up to um I have been listening to the genre Southern Gothic because I'm working on a character concept. And so I'm like trying to listen to some music that gets me in the headspace of that character. Hell yeah. It's bands like the Dead South falls into that among others. But I've just been kind of jamming to those playlists to try and like get in that headspace and find some good songs because I think I want to like put together a playlist. So I've been doing that. I've been playing Coromon came out on Switch, so I've been playing a bit of that. Haley and I last night watched just the best werewolf comedy movie I've seen Ooh. in a while. It's called Werewolf Within. Okay. And it's got Harvey Gulian. I, I can't pronounce his last name appropriately, but Harvey Gulian from um, What We Do in the Shadows, Guillermo. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's got him. Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows. It's got Melania Vanny Trobe. God, they have such hard names. The AT&T girl is sure. like the main, one of the main characters, among other characters. Just a a really fun comedy cast. Oh, hell yeah. Of, of like, I'd say like kind of the a little bit lesser known comic actors. So it, it's, uh, it's about like a park ranger that goes to this town in Alaska and it's part commentary about like the pipeline stuff so there's like the town's kind of divided on the pipeline issue and then it's also like part commentary on like liberals and conservatives a little bit Mm -hmm. but it's mostly werewolf comedy (laughs) hell yeah so it's got some pretty good horror elements I'd put it with like something like Cabin in the Woods as far as like the horror elements are concerned there's a decent amount of gore but yeah, it's it's a solid one. Haley also had us watch Dude, Where's My Car? And I, I think I've only seen the movie once. It wasn't one of my, like, 2000s movies. Sure. You know, like, some people were American Pie people. Some people were, you know, Dude, Where's My Car people. Came out in 2000. Does not hold up 
at all. Like, oh, an early 2000s yeah, comedy doesn't yeah. age well? Just Imagine my surprise. Fucking Ashton Kutcher and whatever the Stifler dude is. Mm-hmm. Never remember that actor's name, but he plays the same character in everything he's in. Just fucking bad. Like, really bad. Oof. <laughs> so that's, that's what I don't recommend revisiting, folks. It's, uh, yeah, it's... It's got all your classic cornerstones of 2000s movies. Uh, oh, sure. You know, your rampant homophobia. Yeah, your yeah. Terrible jokes. Good. The whole thing is like, if you were 13, you might think it was hilarious. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I def- think there were a lot of movies out then that were like rated R, but specifically marketed for like middle schoolers to watch. One. That's something 100%. that like, I don't, I don't like feel Euro, like we like have. Like a Euro trip or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's something yeah. I don't feel like we have as much anymore. Good. Those movies yeah, those movies suck, suck but like, <laughs> but that was a thing when yeah. we were growing yeah. up. That was, it was a specific genre of movies that was rated R, but it was really hilarious to like 13 year old kids. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly one of those. Sure. That about wrap you up? That about wraps it up for me. Sweet. Because I've been stuck at home with COVID, I've been losing my mind. And it was only like five days. So not a good sign. But I've been doing all sorts of stuff at home. So I saw the new Predator sequel, or rather I should say prequel. Prey? Prey. Fucking phenomenal. It is my favorite Predator movie since the original. And I think in some ways it's better than the original. It takes... The pretty much formulaic like predator story of predators showing up on Earth and trying to hunt a group of humans and throws it into the 1700s. And he's like fighting against like French fur trappers and a Comanche nation hunting group. And it fucking rocks. Like, I, I know it's it's supposed to have been done real respectfully. Like, they have all of the people that are playing people from the Comanche Nation are from the Comanche Nation. There is a dub of the movie that is actually in Comanche, which I think might have been the first time that's ever done. If I remember hearing that rumor randomly, and that's correct. If not, I apologize. But... I mean, all of that aside, it's just a really, really well-polished Predator movie. It's so good. Um, It's a nice little, like, coming-of-age tale for the heroine of the story. The dog in it is super cute. And it just freaking rocks. Check out Prey. Something else that I've watched that I've talked to the HLP crew extensively about is a documentary on Netflix called Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, which is a three-part limited-run series that is documenting the Woodstock 99 festival. And oh boy, like Trainwreck is the right word for it. Truly just worth checking out for the imagery alone. Just like the filth and the trash and the rioting and the craziness. What I said to these folks is that if you have ever felt slightly in danger or in not a safe space at a concert, this is going to play out like a horror movie to you. Like every single thing that happens in that, I'm like, oh, I've been in adjacent situations at a festival or a concert or Warped Tour or Mayhem or whatever. Like, I've been in pits that have got out of control. I've seen people get really hurt. Like, I've been there when it's like been way too hot and there's not enough water. Like, except it's that blown up to volume 11 and beyond. It's absolutely insane. I couldn't believe that this isn't something that I didn't know really anything about. So check that out. It's super crazy. Definitely worth a watch. And then finally, I know I've got a lot going on to tell you folks about, but it's been a a long week of me at home by myself. I got on a new form of social media. Uh Uh-oh. I'm on Letterboxd now. What the fuck is Letterboxd? Letterboxd is a way where you track all of the movies that you've seen and all of the movies that you want to see. It's like if you crossed over social media with IMDb. So it's like untapped, but for movies. Exactly that. So if you guys want to follow me, you can. My username is the same one as Discord. It's for Asma Saves. But you can see all of the stuff that I'm watching, all of the stuff that I want to watch. And my goal is to take all of the bad movies or like the good bad movies that I've seen and recorded in a Word document over the last like four years and transpose them into Letterboxd so you all can see all the bad movies. 
So I do have one more thing. Go ahead, um, man. We don't usually recommend podcasts on here, but I've been. Listening. Oh, you're also listening to the Twilight Effect by Ashley Green. No, I'm not. Okay, um, never mind. But I, I am listening to the show. Uh, Are you trash? Which is by two comedians, and maybe it resonates with me because they're from Philly. Um, but they take like listener questions and break down whether you're a trash person or not. Uh, and, and some of the shit is so hilarious and very relatable. And I think I specifically pointed out here because I know that a lot of our listeners enjoy that we're trash human beings. Mm-hmm. And and some of our listeners are also trash human beings. And so I think you'll get, you'll get a lot of you'll get a lot I out kid, of I you'll kid. get a lot of laughter out of that show because it's like two comedians that are obviously also trash people just like bagging on other it's like the scenarios are just like so wild and so trashy and it's funny to listen to them riff on so i, I recommend that i think i'm gonna subscribe yeah it's it's uh, a it's a pretty funny show squarely within my wheelhouse and their and their live shows are i would say their live shows are like just as funny with a i guess live content and listener question stuff as like a how did this get made oh great so their live shows are still pretty good rock and roll rock and roll all right well let's get into our first segment here we are taste testing the topo chico margarita hard seltzer pack i know a lot of you at home or watching live are like but steve you recently tested positive for covid I shouldn't be spreading that around anymore, which is why I am in person with Griffin and Haley. But I do have my <laughs> cute little Dixie cups, so uh, we're not doing any mouth to mouth today. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so that is where my samples are going to be coming from. And here we go. Here's some copy from the website. Tobo Chico Margarita Hard Seltzer flavors are inspired by the classic margarita drink with flavors like signature margarita, strawberry hibiscus, tropical pineapple, and prickly pear. We're looking at 4.5% ABV, 2 grams of sugar, and 100 calories per can. Flavors. We have the signature margarita. We have strawberry hibiscus. Did I already run through these? Yeah, I did. No, I already said this shit. (laughs) It was in the copy. It was in the copy. God, that's what happens when I just take a knee for an hour and a half and do a show. All right. I'm glad he caught himself because I have to let him go. <laughs> Two-party system. How are we? Gr- exactly. Exactly. In this situation, you think you're the Republicans or the Democrats? <laughs> oh, let's not answer that question. All right. Uh, how are we going to rate these seltzers? I think that's what everyone's asking. Of course, we're going to be doing this on the Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville scale (laughs) because, you know, we're living on island time, baby. All right. Number one. So this is the worst out of five. This is Jamaica Mistaka. Of course, that's a reference to the song Jamaica Mistaka, where the nation of Jamaica tried to shoot down Jimmy Buffett's plane um, (laughs) because they thought he was smuggling drugs. This is a true story. And yes, I see that uh, Haley has shown the uh, beautiful photo of Jimmy Buffett in the cockpit of, uh, (laughs) I think it's the Horizon Dancer or something is the name of the plane. Can't remember. But Anyway, number two, this is two out of five. Also inspired by a real life incident involving Jimmy Buffett. This is a prank phone call to Bill Clinton. Of course, this is in reference to when Jimmy Buffett left his cell phone at a restaurant and a busboy got it. There was a bunch of famous people on there and the busboy prank phone called Bill Clinton. Three out of five, of course, is Jimmy Buffett's cameo in Jurassic World, which is a real thing. Yep. There you can see him on the screen. Double fisting margaritas. To protect two margaritas <laughs> while a velociraptor tries to bite him. Four out of five is the booze in the blender. 22 ounce upgrade and commemorative cup from Margaritaville's menu. It's a beautiful one. Mm -hmm. It it also costs about $40. Very expensive. And then five out of five. This is o'clock somewhere, of course. Yeah. Five out of five o'clock somewhere. There you go. And we have that really hip parrot with the them sunglasses and a margarita right there. Really enjoying Island's life. So Griffin, let's go ahead and crack into these. Uh, What do you think about that? Sure. First one we got is Tropical Pineapple, and the copy here is, the perfect balance of sweet and tart from fresh pineapples make Tropical Pineapple a flavor to remember. Juicy and tropical notes accompanied by agave sweetness and a hint of lime round out the unique flavor combination. All right. I took my taster. Bottoms up. I like that. 
Dude. That's good. It's fucking five o'clock right here, right now. That's delicious. I'm giving that five out of five. Yeah. That's good. That's pretty fucking tasty. Damn. Oh, that's a strong start. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, oh man, that's tough not to give that a five o'clock somewhere. I didn't get any weird seltzer aftertaste in it. It's very clearly pineapple forward, Mm -hmm. but almost the least artificial pineapple I've had in a pineapple. You get the lime. The only thing I'm not getting is the agave, dude. Yeah, which honestly for a hard seltzer is not a bad thing because it's never done well. So, you know, I'm, I'm almost glad this was not margarita forward. Yeah, it was. It certainly just tasted like a pineapple with a, just a hint of lime to give it like a little bit of sour at the end. That was, it was really nice. That was fucking fabulous. You want to get us our next one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-oh. Okay, this is the one that I am definitely worried about. This is Signature Margarita. Copy from the website here. Bright and complex, the Signature Margarita is inspired by the classic margarita drink, flavor known and loved by all. Hints of real lime juice, salt, and tequila flavors come together to create a crisp, refreshing margarita hard seltzer. Wonder how they're gonna artificially make salt flavor. I don't know if you artificially do it or if you just include salt. Do we check the nutrition facts on just this one? Yeah, we should check that. to see if it's uh, it's mm-hmm. got a sodium content. Hold on, hold on. Hmm. Sodium, fifty milligrams. What did the other one say? Okay, the other one's fifty milligrams of sodium. Oh, as well. interesting. So there is salt in these. It smells like Seven Up. Well, shit. They got the salt. This tastes like a margarita. This does. This tastes exactly like a margarita. Like. No question. Yeah. No, no question. If you poured this over ice and gave me a salt rim, this would be a margarita. I taste the yeah. agave. It tastes like it's got a hint of tequila in it. Fucking. The lime is good. Fuck. It's five o'clock for the concept. It's five o'clock somewhere for the concept. It got it right, which is shocking to me. And I've I, never had a seltzer that claims to be margarita that pulls that off. I think the truly margarita was good, if I remember correctly. But I don't think this good. This is that's a margarita in a can. I can't believe there's not tequila in that. Jimmy Buffett would shit his pants, right? Whoa, whoa, how the hell do they do that? Did you try it, Haley? Yeah, yeah, that's shocking. I will say, you know, I'm not the most vocal supporter of margaritas. You know, you, you might expect me to ding it on that alone. I usually don't go out of my way for them, even though I'll drink one when I have the opportunity. But I'm talking about fulfilling the, the promise of the premise. And holy shit, did that accomplish that? It's five o'clock right here right now. We're two for two on these. Steve, I think this was the one you were most excited about. This is the prickly pear. Ooh, tell me about that. It's a special nod to Texas. The prickly pear flavor is uniquely refreshing with, with subtle melon and fruity notes. A crisp finish accompanied with lime and tequila flavor make it unexpected but guaranteed to please. All right, let's give that a shot there. How are you liking the island music? Oh, I'm, I'm jamming. Hell yeah. Well, this track is called Be Jammin'. Be Jammin'. There you Where, go. Between this and Be Chillin'. Goddamn. God damn it. God, God damn, damn it. Don't you go. Jimmy Buffett has done it again. Did you want to try the pineapple one as well? Yeah, now I want to no, try it. I didn't think they'd actually be good. Fuck. I think the pineapple one's the worst one that I've had so far. One's fucking slapped. Wow, that's very good. That would give me heartburn, though. Yeah, I mean, they're all going to give you heartburn, but no, margarita. the prickly pear is probably more acidic. Oh, Griff, my you goodness. texted me last night just a photo of this case, and we laughed because we, we laughed. thought this was going like, to be garbage. Yeah, this is going to suck. People are going to laugh at us being fools. Yeah, this fucking rocks. Yeah, um, another five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock right yeah. here, right now. That was amazing. Sheesh. Can I try the pineapple? Yeah. Final one is strawberry hibiscus. Now downstairs, I did say this is the one I was the most concerned about because strawberry historically is a pretty difficult flavor for these hard seltzers to pull off. Honestly, it's usually a little syrupy. It's usually a little artificial, a little gross. Now, if they can get the hibiscus though, and it's anything near mm-hmm. like the hibiscus rum that we love from Guatemala. Oh yes. yeah, you want to get that copy for us before we dig in? Oh, absolutely. So. Ripe, juicy strawberries and a blend of citrus and tropical notes make the strawberry hibiscus an instant favorite. Lime juice blends the perfect amount of tartness to create a margarita hard seltzer you'll want to reach for again and again. Jimmy Buffett, I need you to bring me home. Hmm. 
You know, I'm going to go a little softer on this one. I want to give this pack a five out of five. There's a little something here that I don't love, and I'm not sure if I can quite put my it's finger still, on it. It's still a little the, sweet. The syrup's still here. Yeah, a little syrupy. Yep. I don't think this is bad. No. I think when taking that in with consideration of the other three flavors we tried today, uh, you know, I'm firing up Disney Plus, trying to enjoy one of the best movies of all time. Of course, I'm talking about Jurassic World, and a smile crosses my face when I see Jimmy Buffett trying to save two margaritas at the climax of that movie. I'm giving this the cameo in Jurassic World, three out of five, a passable seltzer, nothing great here. I think it's up there with the best strawberry ones. I'll give it a booze in the blender, 22 ounce upgrade, <laughs> commemorative cup. I think where you go wrong is when you start to, and this happens with any pack, but where you start at the end of the pack to rate the members of the pack based off of the pack mm -hmm. and not based off of the wider world of seltzers. And I still think this deserves to be up there certainly for a strawberry flavor. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the better strawberry flavors I've had. I honestly don't know. I can't think off the top of my head of a strawberry flavor that was done better. <sighs> Notoriously, it's a pretty difficult flavor to it pull off. Yeah. This is still syrupy, but I think they're right in the copy. Like the lime kind of cuts that sweetness a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think it's good. Yeah. I like it. I could certainly drink a pack of those. I could drink the pack's worth. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because... Now that we've reached the conclusion of our tasting of these seltzers, I wanted to ask you a question, Griffin. Absolutely. And I think this needs a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an explanation for the people at home. It definitely does. Yeah. Um, we showed up to that Cleveland show, Beartooth, Ghost Inside, a date to remember, about three or four hours early because we wanted to explore the city. And when we got down there, the place that the concert was at was a place called the Jacobs Pavilion. Easily my favorite concert venue. I've only been there once. Fucking slapped. But we wanted to take a water taxi across the great Cuyahoga River to go experience some of what Cleveland had on the other side of the river. Looked up, saw Margaritaville. Got very excited. Yeah. We were going to take a water taxi across the river to go to Margaritaville. And unfortunately, the water taxi was not running that day. So... Instead, we went elsewhere. My question to you, Griffin, is if this pack was on the other side of the Cuyahoga River, would you take the water taxi over? Oh, absolutely. Me too. I mean, this, this I is go a... So, I go so far as to say, like, I would swim that bitch. I, I would, I would I hop know. in the water. I don't know if I'd swim in the Cuyahoga River well, yeah, or anything. I mean, it notoriously has caught fire. Yeah, it, yeah, it has caught fire. Uh, Maybe I'd take a kayak across. Yeah, I'd, I'd kayak across. Yeah, for sure. Maybe for five out of five. If we did five out of fives for every flavor, all, all but I would swim one, yeah, in, all but one though. Like, I mean, it's a, it's certainly a five out of five pack. I'd say. Yeah, this fucking um, slapped. This was so good. Yeah, this is probably top five packs we've reviewed. Easily. I can't believe it. I'm shocked too because I think Topo Chico does the other like the Topo Chico original pack. I think they do some flavors well. But I'll go on record saying their lemon flavor is one of the worst seltzers I've ever had. Uh, so I wasn't expecting them to, like, consistently pull off something with lime so well. Yeah. But, geez, yeah, they crushed it. Yeah, they do such a good job. I think almost all the big players have done, like, a margarita pack. And this absolutely just blows them out of the water. 100%. This is the only margarita pack of seltzers you should get. If you like margaritas, you'll love this pack. If you don't like margaritas, like Steve, you'll still like this pack. Yeah, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. I'm shocked how much I enjoyed this. This is a hard recommend. Let's I'm, go ahead and I'm divide these up. I'm fresh, too. I'm fresh because I was drinking tequila last night. Oh, interesting. I'm, like, fresh on the... I'm looking out for the flavors. Glad to hear that. Let's divide these up, man. What I, mean, do you I, I think I'll take strawberry because I was a little keener on it. All right. You. And I know you were a big fan of that pineapple. I mean, we both were, but if um, you would like to take that, you can. You know, I kind of want original. Really? Yeah. The original just tastes so close to a regular margarita. I'm going to drink another one of those originals in the after party. I mean, yeah. that was fucking great. We probably should put some in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that at the break. <laughs> hmm. A plus. All right. Time for one of our most popular segments. This is the one that the patrons voted for this week. This is my favorite monster. So in this segment, 
Griffin and I dive into the IRL origins of a classic Pathfinder monster. We talk about their place in-game, and then we talk about their stat blocks. So, as is tradition, I've done a little bit of homework, and I'm going to run you all through a little bit of a background on the hag. So... When you Google hag, what you're going to get is a definition. The definition states a witch, especially one in the form of an ugly old woman, oftentimes used as a term for disparagement for a woman. So not great. And then it has an example. And the example isn't a sentence. It's just a phrase, a fat old hag in a dirty apron. Then we also have a geographical definition, a hag can also refer to an overhang of peat or a soft place on a moor or a firm place in a bog. I know that's going to pique Griffin's interest. So the first question that I had when I was looking up hags is, is a hag and a witch the same thing? And the answer is sometimes yes, sometimes no. So in European folklore, a hag is usually an ugly or malicious old woman who practices witchcraft but may or may not have supernatural powers. So they may practice witchcraft, but nothing may come of it, and they just may be an old cranky lady, or they actually are a witch. They're oftentimes associated with evil or the dead or a devil. Oftentimes they appear as a beautiful woman, but actually are a, a creepy old lady in disguise. And there's reference to succubi being hags, believed to engage in sexual intercourse with the sleeping men, causing severe nightmares and leaving the victim exhausted. Viewed as the antithesis of fertility, believed by some scholars to be a remnant of primitive nature goddesses. You were going to say something, Griffin? No, I just, the way you said that grossed me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, understandably. So are all hags evil? Not necessarily, although oftentimes they are. It depends on the story, but when you see a non-evil hag, it's usually a benevolent spirit taking on form in our physical realm, trying to be more of a wizened old lady than like a, uh, like a yee hee hee, like Snow White witch. So I always like to talk about the etymology of some of these names and words that we talk about. So the term hag is often used interchangeably with crone. That probably doesn't surprise anybody here. But the term hag was first seen in Middle English. They're having roots all the way back to Old High German. It comes from a word hagazusa. I may be pronouncing that right or close. Probably not, but I tried. And here's something that I found very interesting. That word hagazusa is if you trace from like Old High German to Middle German to Middle English to Pennsylvanian whatever. It's Pennsylvania Dutch. Yes, that's like the flow of Hagazua to to Hag. It comes from there. But that word, or rather that root word, also is where the word hex comes from. To hex, which is what witches and hags do, comes from the Pennsylvania German word hexy, which is spelled H-E-X-E, which means to practice witchcraft. So it's kind of funny. You have two separate words that are on two different like paths that come from the same word, but they're intrinsically related. I really kind of enjoyed that. That was fun. The modern word for the creature and what they do comes from the same thing. It's funny. Both sides of my family are Pennsylvania Dutch. And in the same way that this kind of stuff comes from Pennsylvania Dutch, mm -hmm. they're very superstitious. Oh, sure. Uh, like the, the Pennsylvania Dutch as, as kind of a group are very superstitious and they were never like the, you know, Salem witch trials type. Mm -hmm. But you have all these kind of stories that come out of the Pennsylvania Dutch. I would like to hear some of, of those stories one day. That rocks. But yeah, a lot of this comes from or a lot of hag stories come from old New England or the Pennsylvania area, which came from the islands of the UK, which came from like Germany. It's very interesting. The origin is a nightmare spirit, which is seen in English and Anglophone North American folklore coming from old Germanic superstitions associated. And this is the most interesting part to me with a spirit that sits on the victim's chest and gives you nightmares. Oftentimes when you have 
those nightmares you wake up but cannot control your body. This is the definition of sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is hags. It's funny the parallels you see between that and like the psychic vampires I think we talked about before sure. always sit on your chest when you're sleeping and like steal your dreams. It's like uh-huh. <laughs> there's so much of this folklore from different parts of the world that while different is like this is all sleep paralysis. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm about to dive into some famous hags of old folklore. And this part I got really excited about because when I started going through all of these examples, I saw a ton of Pathfinder stuff. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, not a Pathfinder thing, but you'll see influences all over the place, including our own Nana Opal. If you're looking for an example of a hag, most people oftentimes think of the witch from Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, like that's a, witch. Yeah, classic one for one uh, comparison there. The next one that was referenced is the Morrigan This sort of like pseudo holy trinity of goddesses or sisters in Irish myth. The Morgan is described as a trio of individuals who are all sisters called the three Marigna. For those of you familiar, Marigna is a type of psychopomp in Pathfinder that's associated with death and fate and battle and all of that stuff. And the Marigna or the uh, the Morrigan are associated with war and fate, especially with foretelling doom, death or victory in battle. Morgan is often seen as appearing as a crow, and that's called in old Irish, I guess, the Babd, B-A-D-B. Super cool, though, because I never knew that about Marigna psychopomps. They came from this, like, holy trinity of sisters that are sometimes all called the same person, but are sometimes called separate sisters. Loved that. Then lots of hags in England were associated with the water because it was sort of a cautionary tale from parents trying to scare kids away from water where they're going to fall in and drown. Uh, You're going to hear some legends like get ready for some great names, folks. Jenny Greenteeth, Nellie Longarms, Peg Powler. These are all English folklore and uh, Grindylo, which is a creature in Pathfinder. Again, very exciting. There's a lot of folklore in Irish legend uh, abounding with tales of hags and royalty who are cursed with age and misfortune and need real love and a kiss to reveal the beautiful, rich, young princess that's within them. I'm going to fly through a couple other ones. You have the three fates in Greek myth personified as hags. You have, of course, the classic Slavic hag Baba Yaga, which think we might see a little bit in our off podcast reign of winter campaign that we just started up with our buddy tim who i see in the chat here hi tim and then you know i'm doing my homework right i'm looking up stuff about hags um of course on wikipedia and i see the related articles to hags and i see a lot of like uh, morgan grindy low bobby yaga yada 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 freddy krueger and i said All right, sure. So he doesn't fit into like the female aspect of being a hag, but he does accost people in their dreams dreams, during the night. I think he's often a cautionary tale. You know, he targets people who do bad things sometimes. I don't know. Um, Or teenagers. Teenagers (laughs) who do drugs and have underage sex, which you should never do. And yeah, so I I thought that was funny. I saw Freddy Krueger is referenced as a hag on Wikipedia. And I'm like, okay, sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much all I had. I uh, I really enjoyed looking this one up because there wasn't a ton that I found out there about just like root core hags, but all these little like branches of different famous hags and different things that are associated with Pathfinder really got me excited. This was fun. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that like Morgan Holy Trinity thing plays out in, uh, I don't know how much like fantasy world building stuff you've read, but mm-hmm. a lot of times there's like, Mother Maiden Crone. Like, that seems to be like sure. a very popular well that a lot of fantasy writers go back to. It's like, you know, three incarnations of the same woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think even Pathfinder has a spell that's like the threefold aspect or whatever that's like young you, current you, and future you that all seems to fall into this like, oh, three aspects of women. Like, <laughs> when they're crones, <laughs> when they're pregnant, and when they're maidens. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right. There's a lot of that. There seems yeah. to be seems to be quite a bit of it so hags i mean they're kind of like on the tin they're just these horrible 
crone creatures, and there's a shitload of them. There's 12 types of hags. So in, buckle up because it's going to be three hour in episode. first edition. We're going to run through um, all 12, all the so, stat blocks. So uh, I'm just going to go through them very quickly. There's an anise hag. This one is the most physically powerful of all hags. There's an ash hag, a blood hag, a dream thief hag, which is kind of an iteration of a night hag. There's a green hag, which is supposed to be the most stealthy and devious of all hags. There's a moon hag. There's the mute hag, which is the most bitter and hateful of all hags, presumably because it is mute. There's the night hag, which is extra planar. It focuses on the plane of dreams, and that's the one that is most directly referenceable to like the sit on your chest, steal your dream type thing. There's a pit hag, the sea hag, which is supposed to be the most hideous of all the hags, storm hag, and a winter hag. And it's interesting you brought the Marigna up because I believe in Pathfinder they take that origin and adapt it for how hags form. So hags were supposed to be from the first world and they were once fey and they were cursed and turned into crones. So the Marigna is kind of paralleled in this story of the three sisters of Cimarron, which is a tale about three beautiful fey princesses that lived in the forest of Cimarron in the first world. Suitors came from far and wide to seek their hands in marriage, and the three sisters vied with each other to obtain the best compliments and the finest gifts from all of these suitors. And eventually the rivalry they had turned darker and they became kind of jealous of each other and they began to be corrupted by that jealousy and the forest became corrupted as a result. It became this kind of like nightmare realm of the Fae and all the trees twisted and stuff and the sisters lost their beauty and became gross caricatures of themselves. So what that created was the first hags essentially. Kalea was uh, one of the sisters. She became the first Anis hag. Jerissa became the first green hag. And Nithrope, maybe, became the first sea hag. So those were the first types of hags that were created based off of these corrupted fae in the first world. They're all female, as kind of your research had shown. The interesting thing about them is the whole changeling race in Pathfinder is based off of hags. It's not that way in D&D, but hags are able to breed with most humanoid and monstrous humanoid races and create changeling children. They can even breed with some fae, a result of their fae lineage. And some races even willingly breed with hags, but in most cases they do the thing where they wear a beautiful woman's skin and breed with a person of a, of a race, they eventually kill the father. And that child, if it's female, has the calling eventually, where when they come of age, they kind of have this calling to go become a hag, to go back to their mother. Hag babies are usually female because of that. Any male children are normally sterile and normal members of their father's race, apart from possibly appearing wrong in some way, you know. Like Sylvie has the two miscolored eyes. Hags swap in the child for another child oftentimes. So these children that they create, they swap in with another family to be raised so that the child grows up normal until they receive the call. Oftentimes, hags form covens. So covens are a big piece of what they do in Pathfinder. You need three hags to form a coven or a hag and witches that have taken the coven hex. So which needs a hag to be a part of a coven, but a coven can be made with one hag and multiple witches with the coven hex. Normally, a coven is three. A coven can be expanded further than three, but that requires like a ritual. It can be expanded to a pretty large size, but the coven makes hags much more powerful than they are on their own. In Galarian, most hags are solitary, especially like the night hags who are kind of extra planar. So most of the time they don't form covens, but when enough of them get together, they create a pact with one another. There's a ton of them, right? So I'm not gonna do every hag stat block, but uh, we'll talk about what the covens do. So when three hags of a particular coven are within 10 feet of one another, again, this is in first edition, they can work together to use any of the following spell-like abilities. Animate dead, baleful polymorph, blight, bestow curse, clairaudience, clairvoyance, 
Charm Monster, Commune, Control Weather, Dream, Force Cage, Mind Blank, Mirage Arcana, Reincarnate, Speak with Dead, Veil, and Vision. Uh, however, all three hags, you know, they get these as spell-like abilities, which is really strong. But in order to use them, all three hags need to spend their turn as a four-round action casting the spell. So that kind of balances it a little bit, but the coven is a very strong thing. Like, you can sure. see a lot of these spells don't have to be in-combat spells. They're really powerful out-of-combat spells, and so hags together can really do some damage as a coven or with a witch, because witches often have a higher caster level than base hags. So if you create a coven, if a hag creates a coven with a powerful witch, all of these spells end up using the witch's caster level instead of the hag's default caster level so you know you get a level 12 level 13 witch you're immediately using a caster level that's like three or four higher than what a normal coven would use so these things become really strong when they invite witches into their coven uh, what do we want to talk about which of the hags while you're figuring that out this is going to be very vague because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who might potentially run an adventure there is a first edition adventure that I read that the main adversaries are three hags mm -hmm. and it's a sea hag and nanas hag and another hag that i don't remember and it was very fun reading about them i, I love the way that they they interact together and they can do cool shit like that yeah yeah it's, it's very dangerous that's what happens in galarian lore like three hags can essentially like take over a settlement because yeah. they, they have these really strong spells and so they can pretty easily work their weasel their way into a settlement and have it working for them quickly we're gonna talk about a mute uh, hag. You, you just described the uh, the, the module. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys are seeing it now in the abbey, right? There's a hag, and then there's a couple witches. Wonder if they're a coven. No. <laughs> <laughs> so as I talk about these hags, hags kind of range from CR four to CR eleven. So they're in that middle range of threat. I think a whole host of hags are right around CR seven. It's like the Anis Hag, the just a pretty large swath of them. You get like the Night Hag up at CR9, but the Mute Hag and the Dream Thief Hag are the most powerful, at least by CR terms, of hags. And so a Mute Hag has empty eye sockets and jagged teeth punctuate the palpable hate that rolls off of this twisted gray-skinned crone. They have blind sight for 60 feet, scent, plus 21 to perception. They've got 24 AC, 175 health, which is pretty good for, uh, you know, an old crone. DR 10 slash cold iron and magic. They're immune to cold, acid, charm, fear, gaze attacks, and sleep, and they have spell resistance 22. However, they are vulnerable to fire. They have claw attacks. These are not going to be super strong. The Anis Hag has the strongest fighting ability. I think an Anis Hag can even hit almost as hard as this, but they have two claws at plus 20. They do 1d6 plus 6 plus 1d4 bleed, and then they have a bite attack that is 1d6 plus 6. They have a ton of spell-like abilities, so they have constant detect good, detect magic, and detect thoughts along with their blind sight. At will, they can cast Contagion, Cure Light Wounds, Diminish Plants, Inflict Light Wounds, Invisibility, Minor Creation, and Poison. And then three times a day, they get Bestow Curse, Blindness, Deafness, Empowered Cone of Cold, Crushing Despair, and Silence. And then once per day, they can control the weather. So they have an extraordinary ability, which is granting them the, this sight called Blind and Mute. So Mute Hags actually tear their eyes and tongues out oh. uh, to become a, a Mute Hag, leaving them blind to life's joys and incapable of sharing their sorrow. They're obviously then immune to gaze attacks and can't use spell completion or command word trigger magic items. So like a mute hag can't pull out a wand and cast with it. All okay. of their spell-like abilities, uh, you know, as they are with a spell-like ability, don't need speech to cast. But if they were to try and cast spells, they would need silent spell to cast them. So the Mute Hag also has a Shaping Touch supernatural ability. The touch of a Mute Hag twists flesh like clay. As a four-round action that draws an attack of opportunity, a Mute Hag may change the appearance of a grappled or helpless victim. This effect acts as a permanent alter-self spell. Unwilling victims may resist the transformation with a DC 21 fortitude save. 
A mute hag allowed to work for 10 minutes may also increase a victim's age category by one step. Doing so does not grant mental boosts, but does inflict the physical penalties. Creatures that are affected by this power or successfully save it against it can't be affected by the same hag's shaping touch for one month. So they grab you and artificially age you. So, so they grab you and make you ugly. Yeah. And if they have time, they age you into a crone. I love that. Yeah. Or into a into an old person, I guess, if you're not a woman. More mute hags in games, please. Yeah. That rocks. We could have done the 12 hags of Christmas, but well, know, we'll save that. I mean, December's coming up. Yeah. All right. Here we are. It is question time. Haley, what questions do you have for us from the chat? I have a question here from Spartan. Did any of you anticipate the thorough whomping that was the last witch fight? Griff, what were your thoughts leading up to and preparing it? <laughs> well, let's see take the first part. Um, oof, well, what I will say is there is no show on this network that we have been having easy fights with lately but holy crap yeah the witch fight in hlp very very difficult was i expecting it to be that bad probably not but i was definitely expecting it to be bad holy crap yeah this was that was a really tough one and i don't think we're gonna have a lot of opportunities to rest or re-prepare spells or get ready for the final encounter which is coming up soon so uh that is what's actually scary about this thing yeah, I think uh, the party notoriously doesn't do very well when I play a full caster. Just because I have all my spells and stuff at my disposal, they're thinking about ways that they can preserve their resources to get through the situation without being fully tapped. I don't have to do that. I mean, that's a 12th level witch, right? Mm -hmm. It's a 12th level witch with a couple 8th level fighter mooks. Now, it did have the help of Uthi giving the witch protective luck. So... The witch had protective luck and a... Um, so explain that a little bit more because this is something that so, did come up in our Discord. Yeah, so witch can't give themselves protective luck. So I was kind of... But she had it the entire combat. She had it the entire combat. So I was kind of bluffing the group by having her continue to cackle because the spider swarms are a hag. Mm -hmm. I think that has already been revealed on the show. So I just had a spider swarm, part of the worm that walks cast protective luck on her and cackle when she cackled so that just like chilling on the ceiling yeah, so that you didn't notice it uh do that and it was within 30 feet of her the entire time being on the ceiling huh. so uh, <laughs> that was a witch getting protective luck but it's a full caster you guys don't have the best will saves i expected it to go about as well as it did mm. well, i you know i you can kind of see me I won't say I like pulled a punch, but like I didn't make Air Bear full attack one of you or that kind of thing. I just made him go cave in the bell tower on himself because like that would have been really bad, right? Yeah. Like I could have used that suggestion and <laughs> got almost all of you. I could have used that earlier, certainly, but I wanted to see how much I could soften you guys up before I had to use that. So when I prepped the encounter, I changed the witch to a Velomancer which is the Wish Witch, which is the archetype that Emily had used in the response from Deepmar on our Linked Legacy show. And why I used that was because I could invest the protective lucks into the guards to make the protective luck basically proc when you swung at them. And that was, I, I think that witch archetype is great. It's much more efficient when you have a static encounter than using your actions in the encounter to hex everybody. But she had great hexes. I didn't even really use the slumber hex. She had that. She had, I forget what spell I used, but gave her an aura that caused like Eclipse to go to sleep. That just, if you're in it, you have to make a big will save. She had that um, ring that now I think Uska has that allows you to three times per day increase the caster or increase the DC of your spell by two. Uh, so that was really strong. I used that a couple times. I used it on the dream aura thing. I used it on the cloud that gave you guys all those big penalties to your will saves. I don't know if I had used it a third time, but that made her DC like 26, which is pretty beefy. Oh, interesting. So Emily can only use that one more time today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, really tough encounter. I know definitely tweaked and, and made more interesting probably than what was in the book. But oh boy, if we have more witches and hags to go before the book ender, 
um, start writing your goodbyes because we're going to see a couple more people drop if that be the case. Haley, what else we got? We've got quite a few questions here. So Demuth has asked, Steve, uh, do you feel this fight with the witch is karma for playing a witch yourself in previous APs? Um, I won't say that it's karma because a lot of what I was doing in our return of the Rune Lords game with my witch was helping the party out, which Griff was a party to. Did Griff see some things that I, I used quite well and, and use them against us? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. Luck, you, yeah. you guys have seen that happen several times mm -hmm. where uh, one of you plays something really effective and I'll, and I'll kind of be like, it, it happened with... Um, with Chris's character in Deepmar as I was well, I was, I was like, "Wow, yeah. I can the you know, Corrigan smash." Yeah, let, let me let me stack this Corrigan smash, but instead of using a Slayer, I'm going to use an Anti Paladin that has even more charisma. I definitely take inspiration when I see you guys play something really well uh, in in some other campaign. I'm like, "Oh, you know, this is supposed to be a witch. I'm going to build it to do something similar to what Steve's witch in return did, or I'm going to build this Anti Paladin to do something similar to what Chris's character did in Deepmar." I do that a lot because I think. I think it's it's really difficult to have a singular enemy or an enemy with a bunch of really weak mooks like actually stand up to you guys. Mm -hmm. And you guys build these really effective builds time and time again in, in some of the stuff we play that I think is worth like seeing, okay, how would this do well, right, yeah, soloing a group? It's like your little testing ground in a sense. It's like, okay, I see what archetypes work and what doesn't. And like what does something that might be thematically or mechanically what I'm trying to accomplish in a different combat? Because you don't have the opportunity to play test every single archetype. You don't have the opportunity to right. do all of that. So it's like if you see something that works, yeah, why not pillage it? Sure. Yeah, of like, course. Cool. That's a, you know, four feet chain. I'm just going to take that four feet chain and put it on this character. Mm -hmm. There's just too much out there to like do and play and theory craft yourself. Well, right, and it's great because like even thinking about the items that I give some of the baddies that you guys end up getting and benefiting from, I just think about like, oh, what was what were those items that like Steve was really excited to get yeah. on his witch? Like I didn't I didn't go so far as to give like the wand of or the rod of swift hexes or something, <laughs> but like but but that that's what I'm thinking when I'm building that character. I'm like, oh what was um you know, what was Emily excited about for like for items for her Vel Velomancer witch? Like that made that really strong. How, you know, how does this play out? So I certainly take inspiration from you guys when I build these like one-off characters. And I think if we're talking about karma for that witch, it will be when uh, Tim slaughters my current gunslinger in Reign of Winter for all of the witch bullshit that I pulled on him in return. Yes, that will be the karma. All right, Haley, what else we got? So we have a question from Chris. That says, how would you add a coven character ability slash mechanic to Tui? That's a Griff question. I I, I don't know that uh, I'm tight enough on the. That's interesting. The I think I, I think I would I think I would give you spells as rituals. I think Tui does a really good job utilizing rituals. I would give a coven the uh, the knowledge of certain rituals, but also the knowledge of certain spells as rituals, and kind of probably utilize. The, like a coven would receive the ritualist dedication uh, benefits to doing rituals. So they have a lot of things that stack to help them succeed at rituals. So I think a coven warrants that. But I, th I think taking spells and allowing them be allowing them to be rituals rather than just the standard rituals is something I would use for covens. And then you kind of have to work that the way covens work now in 1e, which is like they each spend an action to do that. I don't know that I would allow that in 2e. That seems kind of strong in 2e, given the, that the action system is different. So I think you'd be focusing more in a 2e coven on like those long lasting and those like outside of combat spells, uh, which which honestly the coven list in 1e is mostly focusing on anyway. So I'd... I'd, I'd to do the ritualist dedication for those. All right. We got another question? Uh, yeah, we still have questions. Don't you worry. All right. Hit me. All right. So Eric has asked, he said, question about possible spoilers. Does any of this hag talk inspire Nana Opal changes for her next appearance? I don't think this is a spoiler unless you haven't listened to the, the neutral interlude, but I was pretty clear that Nana Opal is a lich at this point. So... Um, you can't become a hag if you're already undead. You can't become a hag if you weren't a changeling, honestly. But I believe Nana Opal was a changeling. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, so that could have been a potential. She's much too old to be responding to the call, though. And in her backstory, her call worked a little bit differently, which kind of set her on this path. So I think lichdom rather than hagdom is more so what we're going to see from Nana Opal. It makes more sense. We do have two like kind of back-to-back questions here about hags overall. Okay, um, sure. This shouldn't be surprised, like a surprise at all to any of you. So Demuth has asked which hag is the least bangable. Hang on. And because then Corey also asked which of the hags is the most bangable. Griff, pull up that list. <laughs> I think depending on what you're into, blood hag is either top or bottom of that list. Hmm. Now, now it does say in bold, sea hag, the most hideous of all the hags. <laughs> yeah, but what's it look like? We don't have a picture. You have to pull one up. Oh, my gosh. Do I need to be Googling now? I don't know. if this <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. I see that anus hag is the most physically powerful. You mean anus? <laughs> anus? <laughs> tomato, tomato. Anus, I mean, change the letters just a little bit. Yeah, sea hag's kind of rough. But also, Ooh, yeah. all, you know, don't eat lube. Oh, my God. Yeah. Algae. Slide right in. I think I'm going to throw it, not having seen any of these except the horrific hag that we just saw. I'm going to throw it to Dream Thief Hag. Okay. Because I want someone to sneak up on me in the night um, and then for uh, for a good time to ensue. Yeah, yeah I think um, Anna's Hag is the easy choice for Death by Snoo Stew because they're like nine feet tall. Oh, um, this sure. is this. That's the anus. Yeah, that's an anus They're like they're supposed okay, to. Okay, not bad. They're supposed to have some like giant influence to them. I think they even speak giant. Um, what, what am I looking at now? Uh, this is a dream thief hag or a night hag. Um, oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep my answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely keep my answer. Oh boy. <laughs> well, what's that one? Uh, that's this is, night this hag. This is the night hag. Yeah. Um, sit on my chest. I'm saying. These aren't good pictures, just for the record. Um, I wonder... I don't know why he's so adamant about it. Hey. I wonder, you know, it does say that Green Hag is the most stealthy and devious. Hmm. <laughs> that automatically implies that you're putting some things in places. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Probably has... Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Thanks for the pictures, Haley. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go green hag, I think. Oh, I mean, I was going to say... At most? Well, I was going to say mute hag. Like, I mean, they pluck their eyes out, so you got so many more options. Yeah, you do. But they don't have tongues, so... Oh. <laughs> potato, potato. There. That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's tough. a tough one. I hate um, this conversation. <laughs> I, I like the I like the thought of a moon hag. Yeah, what's the moon? What's, well, she might she might moon me, and then I'll be like, yeah, oh, let's see what you're working what's with. What's the moon okay, sure. looking like on a moon hag? Yeah, like does she got <laughs> we'll a, we'll she see. got yeah. she got that uh, that moon shaped dump truck or what are we what are we looking? Does that she have one eye in that? Yo, what's going on with the next photo? The one right. <laughs> <laughs> that woman just has a half moon shaped face, Steve. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, like I'm not. I'm not really sure. getting inspired by that. I kind of want to like with the green the hag. Ones, I, with the green hag, I want to. I want to see what that hump do. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. And mo- most of the pictures I've seen of a green hag, she has a she has a humpback. It's like it's kind of like ooh, which one's this? A void hag. Void hag's not not on the list. That's probably Starfinder. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the list. Future baby. Yeah. You got Anis. You got Ash. Guys, you got... Too much time well, show me a blood hag. Show me a blood yeah, hag. We do need... Okay, well, we do yeah, give me a blood hag. <laughs> Here's the thing: is I don't have any other questions, so it's fine. Oh, it's a blood hag, baby. Oh, one hundred percent. Blood hag. Blood hag. Blood hag. Blood hags can light themselves on fire. By the way. Sure. Let's go. Yeah, blood yeah. hag's number one. Yeah, blood. Blood. I think we're all going blood hag here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's blood hag. <laughs> I'm glad that I, I, I want a blood hag with a green hag's personality, sneaky and devious. I want a blood hag with a night hag's personality or dream thief. Yes, sit on your chest. Yes, sneak into my room and sit on me, and then uh, I'll wake up and be like, "Oh, what, what about the least? What about in. the least? We did at least as part of that question. Yeah, kind of sounds like it's green hag, man. She was looking pretty rough. 
What's a pit hag look like? Oh, Show me a pit hag. I do want to see a pit hag. <laughs> this is good content. Google, uh, <laughs> bring up a pit hag for me. Um, uh, well, you know, I don't they, really all, they all look remarkably different. Well, because there isn't one on here. Okay. Um, so yeah, sorry, so that's guys. fear of the unknown if you're saying pit hag is the worst. Um, <laughs> I think ash hag would be just unrelentingly dry, so I'm gonna go ash hag. Yeah, I'm gonna go counter to that. I'm gonna go winter hag because I'm looking, unrelentingly yeah, cold. Yeah. yeah, yeah, shrinkage. I was in the pool. Um, was that the last question, Haley? Is it time for final jab, or do we have one more? Yeah, that, those were the last questions. All right, well, I'm glad we went out on just the highest quality question. Um, the okay. people need to know. So, it is time for the final jab. What is this? If you haven't heard before, basically, the folks who are watching us live have the opportunity to drop in a roast of anybody on the network. Um, and then that's going to get read, and we're going to do plugs and wrap the show up. So, do we have any... Haley, I uh, like I've been given a couple of them actually. Oh, good. Are they for more than one of us? No. 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 Well, then, well, well then, let's just do one. Both are for Steve. Sorry, but well, one of these. Well, maybe we'll do both. I mean, I, I could do both. That's fine. So Corey has uh, sent a, um, a final jab, and I know Eric also did. I might have to scroll through to get that. They're both about your vamping. Don't worry. Uh, hey, right, Steve, I fine. haven't seen vamping that bad since Twilight, and I think Eric's was something about your vamp phase. But well, hey, you know what? <laughs> vamping in Twilight is pretty good. Anyway, um, <laughs> time to wrap up. Do some housekeeping. So. A couple things that I want to shout out. We have our next Drunken Discorderly session. That is next Saturday, the 20th of August. So see you all in about a week's time. We have some announcements that are coming up soon. A lot of conversations that are happening internally. A lot of stuff to be excited about, but nothing I can speak about today. And finally, we did have our first community night last week. It was so much fun. We played Drawful with a whole bunch of folks and uh, just had a really good time. So look forward to the September community night. I'm sure we'll be putting up polls and stuff about that, but really loved the uh, the participation and the turnout for the first one. So looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The only teaser I'll give is we figured out what we're playing after carrying crown. I'm already thinking about character concepts. So very, very excited. And on that note, I think it's about time for us to wrap up and head over to the Drunken Discordly channel for the after party. See you all there soon in a moment. But in the meantime, Griffin, is there anything that you want to say to these folks, considering that you have succeeded your will save and made it out of the zone of truth? Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. nothing just remember this idea uh, we can flesh it out later 12 bangs of christmas the 12 bangs of christmas yeah i don't know what that means but there's something there <laughs> there's something there <laughs> there's something there we have to make a christmas themed beverage each time with, with, but it has to incorporate a bang i mean that's it that's it <laughs> set a reminder for december 1st 12 bangs of christmas <laughs>